Every step I take, I move my truth. Every time they tell me stop, I use. Every comment, hate that makes my feel. Gather up my energy and boom. I hear them talking, saying the way that I move is so reckless. That is a part of my mind I've been blessed with. Giving my blood so I am relentless. We're here on the Keep Hammer Collective with Dakota Meyer. Man, what a day. Dude, how... I mean, I, first of all, before we get into the day, it's an honor to be sitting across the table from you. I've, I know of your story, your journey, your life, you know, I don't want to say your whole life, but yeah. from say 2011 on, I've known, I've watched YouTube videos, <laughs> listened to your podcast, you know, you, when my son joined the army or before he was going to, or he did, you messaged him. It's like, even though we haven't spent a lot of time together, yeah you've been a big part of like how I think about things, um, how I think about you, of course, and the kind of impact you've had. And so, you know, to have you sitting here means a lot. Man, listen, same thing back. Like I've like, you know, we met, we met in Vegas mm -hmm. at SHOT Show. Um, I mean, you're actually probably the reason that I have my two daughters. Really? I mean, you were there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like you were not there whenever. <laughs> Back off I wasn't that. watching. Well, you might have been. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, you, you know, like you were, that was the first day I met you was yeah. in the SHOT Show. Um, and that, like I started following you there. And then the next year, mm -hmm. we, I, I ran into you in the gym. Yeah. And yeah. We, we got like a little workout in there, right? That was fun. And that was, that was like 2016. That was, yeah. So the first time we went, did you invite me to that party, the cryptic party or? No, you were, you were already there. Okay. And, um, I had, you know, I'd gone with, uh, Sarah Palin Yeah. and, uh, we'd gone up there and then you were there, you know, everybody was up there at this yeah. cryptic party for, for Chris, for Taya Kyle. Right. Yeah. Yep. Chris and Kyle's that's where wife. I met you at. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, we, we talked there and then like, man, like just watching your stuff and the last probably year and a half. I mean, you're, you've just like, like, it's almost like you've just gone to the next level. You know what I mean? Of, of like just creating this great content that's so you can watch it, you can get something from it and it doesn't have to make you emotionally bankrupt. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what, what would you watch that would make you feel that way? <sighs> any of the news stations, <laughs> That's true. right? I mean, yeah. or, 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 I mean, a lot of the podcasts, a lot of the podcasts yeah. are like, they're like, they, they have to, you know, I don't know. Like they just, they have to, it, sometimes people feel like they, there has to be a conflict mm -hmm. to get views or they're like, there has to be, and you know, you have to be against something right? instead of just for something. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, man, your stuff's been, been awesome. But yeah, we, we met out in Vegas. Like, yeah. And, and then finally, here we are for a circle. Yeah. I get to I hang out with you all day. <laughs> well, it's like I said, it's been a huge honor and, and it's been a long time coming. Um, yeah. As I said, I followed, followed along on everything you've done. And now today you came in, shared lift, run, shoot with me, which yeah. is my routine. The content you see, you've been watching and it's like, it fits in perfect for me because my goal with this show is to, to have outliers on here that I want, I can learn from or take their mindset and implement in my own life or people just like me. Cause like I say, I'm just like some regular small town bow hunter. So there's a lot of people who might be able to identify with, with how I think about things. So when I can talk to outliers and like almost translate it from, you know, cause I'm not an outlier, but all you people, all, all my guests and, and you are like, 
like the pinnacle of outlier to me. And, uh, you know, we can talk about the reasons why if you'd like, but it's um, to share that with, you know, people that might be similar to me. And that's, that's been my goal. And so it feels good to hear that you like it, you enjoy it. It's not like, I'm not trying to be controversial, even though we have some good stories we could tell that (laughs) that might be, that's like, I had another guest too that shared me shared with me stuff that we couldn't say on the podcast. So I thought about starting an after dark podcast. Yeah. So maybe that's where we can share your stories. Yeah, what we could do is we could get like we could have like a paywall mm-hmm. where we put those stories behind it. You know what I mean? Like what would be an example for those stories? <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> but man, like, you know, like I I started running and um, you know, I'm training for this Ironman right now. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just like, I thought about, like I started probably last October. I don't know what hit me, but something came up. The conversation came up. Well, you know, you know what? Actually, I had signed up for a hundred miler, the Brazos Bend hundred miler. And what was, why did you sign up for that? What was the inspiration behind that? Man, I was running this firefighter challenge. And have you seen those? Like, mm. So basically there's a, it's, it's a firefighter challenge. When you come to Austin, um, I'm going to get, you're going to, you're going to do that with me. Okay. Um, so basically it's, it's a, um, you go, you have to go up, a uh, it's like five or six flights of stairs, right. With a, um, a high rise pack, you're in full gear on air mm. and it's all timed. So you go up that, um, then you do a hoist, like you pull up the, this, um, hose pack or this hose, um, hose bundle and then you go back down as fast as you can and then you go into this kaiser sled hit it and then you go through these delineators and then you have a charged fully charged hose line Hmm. that you have to go like 100 feet or something like that and then you have this dummy drag at the end of it of like a hundred and it's like 110 feet Mm -hmm. and it's timed so you're just gassed probably (laughs) like it's they, they say it's the hardest two minutes in sports right okay and so i i got into that and we were sitting there one day training for it. And uh, one of the guys said they were running a hundred miler. Mm. And I was like, well, I'll run a hundred miler. <laughs> not, not knowing anything about it. <laughs> yeah. And I was about, Just try to out tough it basically. Yeah, or I mean, I just like, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. I don't know. Like, I just don't know. I, I don't, I don't believe in the mindset of thinking that there's something I can't do mm-hmm. if I want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the only difference between it is, is if, if I'm, I want to do it or not, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, yeah. and I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what that means to, to want to do something and know you can't and think you can't do it. Right. I don't know what that means. Yeah. You right? got to believe in yourself. Yeah. I mean, you know, like whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Right. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to sign up for this hundred mile. I did it that day. Signed up. Yeah. Wow. And I didn't know anything about it. Had you, so what's your running history been like up to this point? You know, I ran a, so, I mean, I ran track in high school. Mm. Uh, I played football, all that. Um, I mean, I wasn't anything great. Um, and then obviously in the Marine Corps, you know what I mean? We run a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I got out of the Marine Corps and I, I posted a picture the other day. I looked back at a picture of me the other day and I was about 265 pounds. Like when was this after out of the Marines? Yeah. After I got out, you know, I was drinking every day and not living a good life. And, um, and then, so then I I did run a marathon one time. Mm. I think it was in 2019. Okay. Marine Corps marathon. Yeah. I, I maybe ran five runs before that Mm. and, um, showed up, ran the whole thing. Um, 
just, I mean, my goal was just to finish. Yeah. And that's really been it since, you know, and, uh, I've been running a little bit, you know, maybe once a month. Mm -hmm. And so I, my goal was probably 60, 60 days ago. Uh, well, the end of November, my goal was that there's this little five mile run was for me to finish that in under an hour. Mm. That was about, about 90 days ago at yeah. this point. Yeah. That was my goal 90, uh, 90 days ago was okay. to finish that, to be able to do that five miles in under an hour. Yeah. So under 12 minute miles. Yeah. I cannot say enough good things about the guys over at Montana Knife Company. I've been using their knives in the mountains for the past three years, and I've been nothing but impressed. They're an American company, their knives are made here in America, and their master bladesmith, Josh Smith, is one of the best knife makers out there. Their culinary cutlery is some of the best I've used, even though I don't use it because I don't cook, but I do use it when I'm eating. But I do know any cook would likely love them in their kitchen. I'm proud to partner with the guys over at Montana Knife and looking forward to some cool new products we're working on collaborating on in the coming months. Head over to MontanaKnifeCompany.com today and use code CAM for free shipping. Black Rifle Coffee is celebrating a decade of coffee in 2024. They're the only coffee I drink, and supporting them is supporting veterans and the outdoor community. One of the favorite packages that I get on a monthly basis is a Black Rifle Coffee Club exclusive coffee roast. The only way you can get it is if you subscribe to the coffee club. This month's coffee is a king of all roasts, halls of lots of beanza. The exclusive coffee club subscription gives you nothing but the best. It's a coffee of the month club where you get premium roast from the best farms worldwide. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. It's veteran owned and operated. They support hunting and conservation and give back immensely to the veteran community. They're offering followers of the podcast 20% off on your first purchase to the coffee club or order on their site using code keep hammering to get America's coffee today. Yeah. And, um, so then I was training up for this hundred miler, had no clue what I was about to do. Mm -hmm. I would just go out and just run for like, it, I was basically just doing time mm -hmm. on my feet just to get, try to get my, I read that that's, yeah, that's a key. That's a key. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, cause I started training about 60 days out from this Brazos bend, which was supposed to be the first week in December, they canceled. So I did my long run, everything up to it a week out. They, they, delayed it mm. and I really want to do this Ironman so I'm like I'm not going to wait another 30 days mm -hmm. I'm going to start training Ironman right because I want to go to Kona so just shift focus from the 100 mile ultra yeah and you did a 50k somewhere I did I did, I did. so I, I did the Austin Rattler okay right so I ran that and I, I loved it you know what I mean like I went out and I'm not really an emotional human being mm-hmm and man, about mile 26, man, I felt emotion. Like, I mean, I started getting into, like, your mind just goes to a place. And it was really, it was really humbling for me because, like, I got to this place to where I started hurting, mm -hmm. right? My my thighs were just, you know, they were just, they were hurting, yeah. right? And um, And I just remember thinking to myself, like, why are you doing this? You know what I mean? Like your mind just started, it started those, itself, those yeah. darts, right? Yeah. And it, it's like, why are you doing this? You know what I mean? Nobody cares if you finish and nobody cares if you don't. Mm -hmm. No, who cares? Yeah. And it was like, really, I hadn't faced that in a long, long time. Mm -hmm. 
And it was so good to like be there like on, cause you know, at this point at the end of it, you're, it's, you're spread out. Yeah. You might be by yourself at this point. Yeah. There's yeah. nobody cheering you on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's nobody watching you. Like it's all internal. It's all internal. Yeah. Right. And no, and really nobody cares. Nobody mm. cares how bad you hurt. Nobody cares if you stop. Nobody cares if you finish. Nobody cares what your time is. Yeah. It's like, and, and it really was like one of these moments that just made me, I'm like, I like this. Hmm. I like this. You know, I need this. Suffer fest. Suffer fest. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and then at about mile 20, you know, mile 28, yeah. you're through it because you got two miles left. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like. It's uh, those long, you know, and that is long. I mean, you can say, yeah, there's longer races, but 30 yeah. miles is a long way. And you start doing these races and the big thing with like the hundreds and the two hundreds and even, you know, a 50 K is like, there's some peaks and valleys. So once you, mm -hmm. if you make it through those valleys, you don't last in the bottom of that valley forever. Yeah. Just like you didn't, you were out of it by mile 28, but most or a lot of people get in that valley and they pull the rip cord. Yeah. They're out. Yeah. They're like, I can't deal with it. And I always go back to the story that Courtney DeWalter in her first hundred miler, she quit at mile 60 because she was hurting so bad. She's like, there's no way I can keep going. And then she realized that, oh, that's part of this. Yeah. Just dealing with this, this self-doubt and this pain and this being in this valley. And once you push through and make it out, you'll always come out. Not if you quit though. Yeah. If you just keep going, you'll come out. So it's a great lesson that, yeah, that you I, learn too. And I'll tell you what's so, you know, for me, what I got back to was I had a buddy running with me, um, and, and he was crushing it. I mean, mm -hmm. this guy's just a, I mean, he's a beast. Mm. And, um, but the cool thing is, is like, when you look at these runs, it's, it's not like you're doing something, something you're not, it's not like you're doing something that somebody hasn't done before, mm -hmm. you know? So, so it's like, people have done it. They've gotten through this. They're humans too. Yeah. So if they can do it, you can do it. Right. And you know, there's so much, there's so much to be said when you rely on that logical type of mindset instead mm -hmm. of feeding into, you know, your pain, your, you being uncomfortable, right? Like, yeah. Cause you know, resiliency is nothing more than the ability to stay in suffering so that you can learn more of the lesson, mm -hmm. you know, cause you don't get better unless you're uncomfortable. Right. You don't grow. You don't, you don't, you don't move the needle any internally, emotionally, physically, or, emo or you know, uh, physically, emotionally, or mentally, unless you're suffering. And so well, where'd you learn this? Man, I don't know. I mean, I, I like, I don't know. I mean, the, I think it's just been part of my whole life. You mm. know what I mean? Like n nothing's ever, the easy way was never the right way. Mm. You know, my, my dad is, you know, we, I grew up on a farm mm -hmm. and, you know, everything was, is result driven. It doesn't matter what you feel like, you know, especially on a farm, right? Like you got all these animals relying on you. And so you guys have cows or what do you have? Yeah. So we had cows mm -hmm. and you know, the, these cows, they, I mean, they, they rely on you to eat. Mm -hmm. They rely on you to take care of them, you know, and it's, it doesn't matter what day it is. It doesn't matter if you feel like doing it. It doesn't matter if it's cold outside. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, perfect weather, like you have a responsibility because mm -hmm. you have other 
and these animals relying on you mm -hmm. and you know, it's part of your livelihood. And so, you know, I think growing up like that on a farm and, and just, you know, have being result driven that, that that's how, you, you know, where I started learning that. And then obviously in the Marine Corps, you learn that even more. And then I think, you know, just, just over and over when you start to really dissect things mm -hmm. that, that you start to learn that, that piece of it. Right. Did, uh, so the farm, and then you said you played football. Well, how, how was that? Were you, cause football, people don't know whatever football can be when you're young, like a underclassman sucks Yeah. for most young, you're getting lit up by the bigger guys. Um, did you take those lessons into football too? And then that, some of those lessons translated to the Marines or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I mean, I think, I, I think football is the game, the ultimate game of life. You know, I, because, you know, your phys, it's, it, it hurts. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's physical. It's, it's, um, it, it's, a, you know, you're taking losses. It's about, you know, it's, it's strategic. There's all Toxic. these, it's you know, <laughs> all of it, right? Like yeah. it's, it's all these things. And so, you know, that was my primary sport mm. throughout high school. And, what position? And, uh, so I played running back, mm -hmm. um, free safety. I, sometimes I would on defense and on defense, I would play, I could go in one series and I could go from free safety to nose guard, uh, depending on what we needed. Yeah. So um, you were physical. Yeah. 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 And, and small school, real right. small school. Um, I think there was at one point I was, the, I was the punter, uh, punt return, kicker, kick return. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. it was one of those schools. Time on the field. Yeah. Were yeah. you guys any good? No. <laughs> No. no, but you got yeah. tough. Yeah. Listen, you know, listen, if you're not going to be good, you're going to be tough. Yeah. Did but yeah. And so it translates. I mean, you know, going to the Marine Corps, becoming a sniper, um, you know, all those things. How that happened? Like, did you go, is it, it's basic training or no, what, yeah. boot camp? Boot camp. Boot camp. Yeah. yeah. And then do they, so you were like, showed some shooting skill, I assume, and they noticed it or did you say you wanted to be a sniper? No, like you, so I went to boot camp, uh, June 18th, 2006. Um, so Paris Island, beautiful place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even know that was supposed to be a joke till I saw yeah, your face. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it sucks. I take it. Yeah. It's miserable. Oh. Um, and so I went to Paris Island, graduated boot camp, and then turned around and went to, um, to school of infantry and then graduated there. And then I went to my unit. And where was all this at? Or is a school of in, infantry? in North Carolina? Okay. And then from there, I went to Hawaii where I was going to be stationed the next four years mm -hmm. at Kaneohe Bay mm -hmm. and got there, checked into my unit, third battalion, third Marines. And, you know, really, I, I loved it. I mean, I, you know, learning, you know, all these guys that we had are, are like the guys in charge of me. I mean, they just came home from a rotation in Iraq, in Iraq hmm. you know, and they, I mean, the first thing that I did with them was a memorial for all the guys they lost, right? Mm. So they had seen, they knew they knew the severity of combat and they knew we were going back. And so their drive to make us good was was astronomical, right? Mm. And um, so we we were, I was with a line company, like with an infantry platoon. And I remember like just seeing these guys run around base and I was like, man, those guys look like professionals. So you were, so you were green 
coming yeah. in. These guys, you looked at them almost like war heroes, probably, because yeah. they'd been in the shit oh, and they're coming man. back and they, you know, lost teammates. And it's like, so as a young guy, yeah, that probably had a huge, profound impact. It did. It did. Like it had a huge impact, right? Like you just, you, you hear the stories of what these guys did and, you know, they were in the Haditha triad and, and it was, I mean, just the fighting that they had gone through. Mm. And, um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was, it was nuts. And then, then there was these, like I said, these group of guys that would, you know, they were, you'd see them around and, um, they, you know, they always had their hair a little bit lo like really low and, and, uh, I found out they were snipers. Mm. What do you mean low, like tight? So like they would have, like they were always pushing the regs on. How, oh, I how, see. Yeah, you know what I mean? So they have a little longer hair? Yeah, they would try. Oh. They were always like going at the, the pushing, pushing the limits, right? Yeah, because they had a little more leeway because they were badasses. Well, I, they, they stayed within the standards, but like oh. they just, their platoon, that's just what they did, right? Mm. Um, it's kind of like their MO. <laughs> um, and so we... Um, I seen those guys and I seen that they were having a, they do like what's, it's like a selection, you know, an assessment. So basically they put on this series, you come, you, you have to try out and then you do this two or three days of, of whatever these tests are, you know, staying awake and all this. And mm. then they, you do an interview and then they decide who they want. And then you come into the platoon and you're there for 30 or 60 days on like a probationary period mm -hmm. to see if they like you or not. And if you fit in and all this, and then, you know, you, you get to come to the platoon. Mm. And so I tried out for it, came, um, it was, you know, I was brought into the platoon and I was on that probationary period and we were getting ready to go back to Iraq. And they asked, they said, you can either go home on pre-deployment leave or you can go to sniper school. Mm. And to get a school at sniper school at this time was, I mean, unheard of, especially Pretty before hard. you'd gone on deployment. Right. And so um, I had everything, like all the quals you needed to go. And so I was like, well, I'll, I'll skip out on going home pre-deployment leave. Like I want to go to the school. And so I went to the school and it was just, I mean, it was awesome. Like I. Well, I think that decision right there, that's a big difference. I think a lot of people would have taken that pre-deployment leave, right? And went home. Yeah. Do, do, do you think, or did you see that or what did you see? I, I mean, I just think it's just like most people wouldn't even come out for the selection assessment, mm. right? You know what I mean? Yeah. I just think that like, look, I think people are where they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You know Cause what I mean? Because of, of little decisions. like Yeah, micro decisions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like you know, the results when when the conflict or whatever, when the test is thrown at us, the results are already decided by all those micro decisions before. Mm -hmm. You can only sway what those results are going to be so much because you can't overcompensate right. for all these micro decisions. They're going to add up at some point. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, people th that live by this mentality of that they're going to rise to the occasion is just, is a, just a false insurance policy and, and, you know, of hope that they're not ever going to have to be in that situation because it's just not true. Right. You're going to always fall back to your lowest level of training mm -hmm. and discipline. Yeah. You know? So if you're always taking shortcuts or the easier route, you're never going to rise up very high. Yeah. You're going to rise up. There's only a, a, your ceiling is pretty damn low, but if you're doing all these little things and making all these like sacrifices and like, no, this is my bigger goal. Then yeah. Then that ceiling is fucking high. Yeah. So yeah. Everything becomes habitual.
And so tell, yeah, tell me what happened then. So yeah, so I went to sniper school. Um, it's kind of crazy. We were on the range and, you know, probably a, only a small percentage of being a sniper is shooting. Hmm. You know, it's so much camouflage. It's the technology's patrolling. It's, it's surveillance. Like there's so many other pieces to hmm. being a sniper. It's, it's intel gathering. Like it's, it, there's so many other pieces to it. Right. And what well, makes you good at all those things? Do you think? I don't know. I mean, I think like just, I mean, you have to be, you got to be multidimensional, you know, you've got to be able to, you got to be able to think strategically. You got, you know, you got to use your head a lot more than just your emotions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think like that's a, that's a big. More tactical. More tactical. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, I saw you shooting the bow today and it's like the way you shot, it doesn't, you know, people say, I would think sniper is shooting, but like when I saw, you know, the herd bull going through your bow with you today and everything he said to do, you, you ended up doing perfectly. And what happened was the last group, you had five out of six in the, on the X. Yeah. I mean, you were like so precise in that, that tactical part of, of archery. So it doesn't surprise me that you were good at being a sniper too, even though it's not just shooting. Yeah. But I mean, but that's the thing is like shooting is just the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like when you look at, I mean, we're not you know, we're not building our own rifles, right? Like, I mean, th- these rifles are, are, I mean, they're, they're sub minute of angle, mm-hmm. you know, like it, 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 they outshoot you, these ammunition outshoots you like those bows that we're touching, they outshoot our capabilities. Right. So we're uh, just trying not to screw it up. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, what we're doing is trying to minimize our deficiencies mm-hmm. so that we can help that bow do what it is a hundred percent designed to do. Yeah. And so same thing with rifle, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And if you just listen to people, I mean, that guy's an expert, you know, and, and everything he said is, is dialed in whether, you know, I, I had never heard, I'd been shooting a bow. I've shot a bow my whole life. Mm-hmm. 90% of what he said, I'd never heard before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like these little things and, and, and just watching how it just, it, it just tweaks it. Yeah, but you know, I've had people in there that heard the exact same things you heard and couldn't implement them. So it, it kind of goes to the point where you're saying, I don't know, I don't know what, what, how you said it, but it's like, it's not just hearing the information, it's putting it into practice. Put it practice. And so that's probably why you were so good at that goal of all those goals is because you're actually listening and implementing. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I remember on that, I think it was a 60 minutes interview that I watched with you. I think the guy said Dakota could shoot a squirrel from 750 yards. So, so let, me t- <laughs> let me tell you a funny story. Okay. So they, do you remember that? Oh yeah. David Martin. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm about to tell you the backstory. Mm. Yes. So, you know, they come in 60 minutes. So first off, I go from being on a construction site one day, pouring concrete. I saw you on a little bobcat. Yeah. Yeah. That was my job. Okay. Like Harley raking yards. You know what I mean? Get them prepped <laughs> for, for grass seeds. Yeah. Um, and I go from that one day to having every news station carrying what I say and what I do. I mean, it was. So this, so you were on the bobcat. This is after you were back. Yeah. So right. I, yeah, I came back. I got out of the Marine Corps, you know, for, I was out for probably 18 months. Okay. And, um, 
yeah, one day, you know, I get, so I get this call from headquarters Marine Corps hmm. one day and they're, they're like, and you're doing landscaping at this time or like construction. Yeah. So, okay. so I get a call from headquarters Marine Corps one day. I didn't even know that place existed. Right. I mean, it's like, um, and they call me and they're like, Hey, you know, we need to, we need to verify your home address. Hmm. And I was like, I'm not giving that to you. I was so nervous, man. Like I was so nervous that, you know, at this time, you know, they're, you just didn't know. I didn't know why they were reaching out to me. And, um, like, did I do something wrong in Afghanistan? Mm-hmm. You know, this is at the point to where you come home like today and you have to worry about is somebody's opinion that sits behind a desk going to sit here and put you in prison for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, and I was just so nervous that I did something wrong. And, and you know, I just honestly, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to hear about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so they sent this colonel in. I told him that I would meet him in Austin Oh, at the, uh, you know, that there's that Hilton that's right outside the Austin airport. Yeah. I said, I'll meet him there. Okay. <laughs> so he comes in and he opens up this binder and he's like, you're going to be receiving the medal of honor. Whoa. And I was like, I think you got the wrong guy. Yeah. And, um, he, he's like, no, the secretary of defense, uh, proved it today. And he's walking it over to the president of the United States and the president's going to go off his recommendation. Wow. And he said, we need to, I was like, well, what do, what do we, like, what, like, can they just mail it to me? And he's like, no, we're going to be planning this. You know, this, he said, and he looked at me, I'll never forget his name was, his name was Colonel Otto Rutt. And he said, I just want you to know that your life is about to change. And I said, nobody decides if my life changes, I decide that. Mm-hmm. And um, so we we went back and forth. I didn't want to do a ceremony. I didn't want the medal. I begged them to break it down to Navy Cross hmm. uh, or How whatever. Come? Why? Man, like, you know, I mean, I didn't do anything to deserve it. You know, like, uh, you know, the, I just, I just did, I just did what anybody else would have done in that situation. And so do you think that, I don't know if that's true. I mean, cause we talked about it on the run. It's like, you said you knew you were going to die. Yeah, I did. I don't, do you think everybody would face that fate uh, five times? You know, you went back, wasn't it five times? Was that true? Yeah. Is that accurate? Uh, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. But I don't know. That seems very deserving to me because I I just know humans, people are very, they're all about self-preservation. You know, when you work out, people, when they start to hurt, they quit. So if you think about that, you thought you were going to die, no doubt, man. But let me say this. Yeah. You know, all, all that Medal of Honor represents is two things. And, and I truly, I truly, I truly believe this with every moral fiber of my being. What I did that day is something that every human being that walks his face of the planet is capable of doing. Mm-hmm. All that story is, it's not a story of heroism. It's not a story of a badass. It's not a story. It's none of that. All that, all that represents is what people are capable of if they believe in a cause that's bigger than them. And they love people more than they love themselves. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's Mm -hmm. what you're capable of doing 
when you have those two things. Like, there was nothing awesome that I did that day. I just, I, my teammates were trapped. There were good people who were suffering. And I was willing to give my life for whether it was the Afghans in there, whether it was my teammates, it didn't matter. There were good people that were actively suffering. And I was in a place where I could do something about it to try to make it better. And I was going to do that. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. It's still extraordinary, but I, I understand, I 100% understand what you're saying. Um, I'm, I'm curious about, so in that 18 months you were out, yeah, because what you did hadn't changed. You still did what you did, but during that 18 months, how, how were you reflecting on that then? Just like, were, I mean, you lost your yeah. teammates, so were you yeah. mourning that oh, yeah. during that time? Were you trying yeah. to just move on? I mean, you know, you just, I'll say this, my generation got it wrong. Um, you know, you, you look at the, the repercussions of, of avoiding mental health. I mean, now my generation's legacy will be known as the, the suicide generation. I mean, you look at, you look at avoiding and, and ignoring mental health and, you know, I mean, you see it all the time. Like the, the, the suicide is just through the roof. Right. Right. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know what to do. No, I mean, nobody knew what to do at this time. Nobody's um, asking, do you need to talk to somebody about what you've went through or. Well, they are, but it's like, like, why I, like, what, what am I going to talk about? Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I, I know what happened that day. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I, I don't need, I don't need to try to figure it out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, right. and, and, you know, I'll never forget, like every time I went to talk to a counselor, they would say, you know, because, because the reality is, and, and this, it doesn't feel good. Like, let me say this. It, it doesn't feel good. But the truth is that day, it's the biggest failure of my life. Now, let me say why. Look, just because a narrative doesn't feel good, doesn't, you don't get to change it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, well, you tried your best. I, I like my teammates are still dead. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like you can try your best. You can work hard. You could have, you know, you, well, you weren't the one that put, like you, you, you just try to find all these loopholes to take off the responsibility of the failure that you had. And it's like, no, no, I, I failed astronomically that day, but I, I don't want that narrative to ever change because now that I faced it, now that I haven't tried to ignore it, now I can use it to give me the lessons of every part of my life today. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the ability for me to be able to help others, you know? Yeah. I think that, but by saying you failed, I would think, I don't know if you were in control of that though. You know, I mean, if you fail and you're in control, that's failing, but I don't know if there was a way to win that because of the numbers, because of the situation. Could anybody ever have save those guys. You know what I mean? So, but you don't uh, get to, you like, but let me correct you. You don't get to like failing. I like failing is nothing more than not getting the results you set out to get. Right. So like, you know, the reality is, 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 is we have like, for some reason we have gotten this mentality that if we do everything right and if we work hard and we want it bad, like then, and we, we want it we're not going to fail. 
Right. And it's like, and we do the best that we can that we're not going to fail. It's just, it's not reality. I understand that. Yeah. And so it's like, so you did the best you can. Yeah. You did everything you could. Yeah. And you still failed is what you're saying. Yeah. And you know what? It's awesome because it's been the biggest, it's been the biggest, it's the biggest piece of me today. You know, when you talk about like, I know what losing feels like Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do everything I can to not have to feel like that again. But if I do, I can get through it. And guess what? When other people lose and when other people are down, I have this level of empathy for them because I know what it feels like to be in their position. And now I can help them get through it. Mm -hmm. I can get on that level with them and try to help them get through that piece. Right. And it's important. It's important to feel these things and to face this reality because the reality is, man, is if you don't face the reality, you can't ever get past it. Mm hmm. You know what I did last night? And I haven't told you this. Um, it's kind of crazy because we scheduled this podcast. And right after that, um, my lieutenant, Lieutenant Johnson, his brother, Dan, identical twin brother, mm. lives an hour and a half from here. And in 15 years, I've never talked to him, never spoke to him. He wrote a message to me the same day that we scheduled this podcast. And for the first time in 15 years, I got to sit down with that man last night. And when was the last time you'd, you'd seen him? I've never seen him in my life. Oh. And he, I'd never even spoke to him until that day. So this is a, a teammate that died? Yeah, so in and the, his that day. Brother. Yeah, his brother. His oh. brother. His brother was my teammate. His brother was my lieutenant. I see. And his it's his twin brother. Gotcha. I see. And then... Did you, you meet, met him? Yeah, I went, I got to go sit down with him and his family, his wife and, um, yeah. And it was awesome. Like, and it was, it's his twin. So like you walk in. Did he look like him? Oh, exactly. I mean, sounded like him. He's, his, his, it was, it was so awesome though, you know, because, because man, like his brother was a good guy and, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's horrible that they're gone, but I wouldn't be who I am. You know, they died so that we could be who we are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the lessons of them and like how they lived and they're forever. I mean, they're, they're forever heroes, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's important. You know what I mean? It's important. And to, to learn from it and to go out and be, be, be better, no matter what bad situation to leave out better than it was there. Right. Like right. I have this level of accountability that, that if I waste a day, I waste their sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Does that help address, you know, there's a, a term survivor's guilt. I wonder if that helps address that, you know, by, by seeing. And I also was thinking about, as you were saying that, you know, they talk about, people who die serving our country is the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. So yes, the sacrifice was for our country, but also I wonder if the sacrifice could be for like you, yeah. like you, you couldn't help others unless you'd went through that pain and that loss. And it, now you're in a position to maybe help others. It's so big. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's like, I think about it all the time of when I'm pushing that extra, 
you know, if I'm in, in, I mean, the, the things like you just said here, you know, you've watched my stuff. It's, it's, it's made you think about things. Mm -hmm. I would have never been able to give that to you or anybody else without what happened to them. Right. And so like, it's, it's this complicated, not feeling good thing, but, but man, like there's no telling I, you know, I would give anything if my name would inspire, like if, if, if I could change the world as much as those guys change the world, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Right. Like their impact is, is, is astronomical, Mm -hmm. right? As long as you go use that hard time. I would never be able to do what I do today as far as a firefighter, as far as being empathetic, as far as being empathetic towards, towards mental health, right? Like I would have never understood without the suffering that I went through what it's like to suffer Mm -hmm. and then how to get, how to, how to get better from it. Like, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, I'm not saying all, but I'm saying majority of PTSD, depression, anxiety, like it's, 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 it's injuries, not terminal illnesses. Hmm. And we can, you you can get better from it. You know like, what I mean? Like injury, like the the PTSD is an injury. Yeah, I mean, look, I, everybody, everybody after the age of twenty one has some type of PTSD, probably. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, th- there's just life. It's yeah, P, it's PTSD is L I F E. You you know, and yeah. it's like the, the the reality is, is PTSD is usually the worst day of somebody's life, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a worse day of your life? I have, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and who's to say, well, why is my, the worst day of my life more significant than the worst day of your life? Right. I understand. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know what matters? To that is, person, it was yeah. the worst. Yeah. Yeah. To, to you, like to, to that, it, you know, it's the worst day of their life. Mm-hmm. Who cares what it is or if you think it's significant or not, how about just give them a little bit of hope that they can get through it and it's going to be better, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's, that was probably a powerful experience last night I mean yeah I can't imagine but I'm glad that that opportunity came up after so long so long like I've never been to Eugene Mm -hmm. none of it and and man like I I'm telling you right after we booked this podcast he reached out and I called him and he's like yeah I live I live in Oregon I'm like well I'm actually going to be there Mm. and I went and by sat down with his family. He's got three beautiful kids. He's got a beautiful wife and just a good guy, mm-hmm. you know? And it's it just, it's kind of crazy the way the world works, you know? And I used to, I used to be down about it all the time, you know, like I, I was down about it and, and you know, I finally thought about, and I looked at it and I was just, how would these guys, like if, if, if you or me died today, mm-hmm would we want anybody going through life being sad so to the point to where they didn't go out and live their lives? No. Absolutely not. Yeah. But you would actually want them to be the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you start getting your emotions out of it, you know, and it starts, stops being about you mm-hmm. and you start looking at what, if you truly want to live for them, then you better go get to live. Mud water is something I've been using daily since I started the podcast. It's supposed to be an alternative to coffee, but I actually add it to mine for some extra health benefits. It's got four functional mushrooms and with only a little caffeine, and each ingredient was added for a purpose. Cacao and chai for a hint of caffeine and hot chocolate-like flavor. 
lion's mane for focus, cordyceps to promote natural energy. It's also Whole30 approved, 100% USDA certified organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, vegan, and kosher. Mudwater donates monthly to support psychedelic research and has since day one. They believe the country is in a mental health epidemic and that psychedelic-assisted therapy is one of the most effective tools we have to treat mental health conditions. Today, you get $20 off when you subscribe at mudwater.com cam. You also get a free frother and a sample of their delicious coconut creamer. So go to mudwater.com cam to get $20 off your subscription and your free frother. That's mudwater.com cam. Hey guys, I'm gonna tell you something a little personal. I got my labs done by a company called Blokes and found out that maybe they could help me. In order to keep grinding hard, I figured it was time for a check under the hood. Blokes helped me do that. They sent someone to my home for a blood draw. Never seen that many vials. I had a consultation with a clinician to go over the results and they sent me a 40 page functional report. We went through stress markers, hormone markers, did a full thyroid workup, looked at heart health and a lot more. We came up with a plan personalized to me based on my biomarkers and my goals. They sent me supplements and therapies to my door. Blokes looks at health differently than any doctor I've ever been to before. It's a proactive approach. It's in-depth. I think they are disrupting the sick care system, and I'm happy to support companies like them. Blokes is doing all they can to keep me hammering day after day. They're offering you 20% off labs if you use code CAM at checkout blokes.co slash cam that's blokes.co slash cam for 20 percent off your labs you know yeah yeah no that's i mean i can't imagine what you've been through i can't but what you're saying makes perfect sense and yeah. I, I have so much respect for it um hmm. uh you also said another thing like what do you say you attract shit is that what you said yeah man like <laughs> i i'm like a dark cloud man <laughs> You know? <laughs> no, because yeah. we, we were talking about you also were in another situation there in Texas where yeah. where you saved somebody that was in a submerged vehicle, right? Yeah, we were on this. Uh, so I'm a firefighter out in Texas. Uh, I was full time for a couple of years and, and um, during the COVID years. And I wanted to join, you know, I I don't know, like I, I moved to this new area during COVID and I started doing this volunteering. I was like, I, I want to volunteer, you know, I want to see what it's like and um, started doing that. And then I just, like, I fell in love with it. I found in love with the ability to, 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 to help people, you know, like, I mean, are you always, I mean, you're not always out there saving lives. Right. But, right. but I mean, when people dial 911, like majority of them, they, they don't have anybody else to call. And so it's kind of a good feeling to, to be that person that people can call for help. Mm -hmm. Right. And, so I found it very rewarding, very fulfilling. So I went and got my EMT, went and got my fire certs and became a commissioned firefighter in Texas. And um, so then I got on with the department and started working more. And uh, so now, so I have this, I'm at this volunteer station and we get a call February 22nd of 22. And three of us were at the station, we get this call that says that there's a, a vehicle stuck on the side of the road or stuck on the side of this pond. And, you know, look, I mean, you can only take what the call, like what the call notes are only so, so far. They're, yeah. they're hardly ever accurate. Right. right? Um, and so it's shorthand. Uh, yeah. And, and then <laughs> you got that. this emotional person who, yeah. you know, you just never know where it's coming from. 
So I, you know, we put on all of our bunker gear and, you know, I'm in the back of the engine. We're on our way there and we pull up around where this pond is. And, uh, I just see this woman standing on the side of the bank of this pond and I don't, I, mean, I don't see any truck. So I was like, well, they probably got out. So I got out of the back of the truck and I told the two guys in the front, I said, Hey, just go ahead and, you know, cut these locks. There was a gate mm. so they could get the engine out in the field in case we needed it. Right. Yeah. So I jumped this fence and I'm in full bunker gear. What's well, full bunker gear? Like, like the, all the like, heavy fire, yeah. fire retardant stuff. Yeah. The heavy yeah. fire retardant stuff, you know, cause usually we, I mean, first off I had it on cause I was cold, mm-hmm. but second off, uh, you know, usually like for vehicle stuff, you know, you have that on so it protects you. If there's um, a fire. Or if, or if like when you're cutting stuff, like you oh, don't get cut on glass and yeah, all that, right? gotcha. And so I jumped this fence and I start, you know, kind of jogging down there to her. Um, and I hear her say, my son, well, I don't see any male mm-hmm. standing there. And she screams again, my son, my son. And so at this point I'm, I'm running I start running pretty fast. Um, I get down there and she's like, my son. And she's pointing out in the center of this pond. And I said, where's your son? And she said, he's in that truck. And so I look down and there is a, it just looks like a little white square. You know, the the truck is so deep. How far down was it? Do you think? Eight to 10 feet probably. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, it's a four door Z 71. Hmm. And the pond is, I mean, it's a pond. Yeah. It's nasty. Right. And so I said, your son's in there right now. And she said, yes. And so I, I, I call over the radio that we have one in trap submerged in the pond. Uh, one firefighter's going in and I stripped down to my bunk or to my pants, to my station pants and my t-shirt. I mean, we don't have any swim stuff on that engine. Mm-hmm. So jumped in the water and swam out there. And I remember like the, I mean, cold plunge, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I start swimming out there and I remember like trying to get to the truck and I got close to it. And, you know, and you're trying, you're, you're, you're amped up, your heart rate is sky high. And so I got out to the, where the truck was and I was going to dive down to it. And I just remember being so nervous that, I mean, what if, what if he's hanging out, right? And he grabs me and holds me down there, mm-hmm. right? Like it was really, you know, and so I swam down and I, I guess the truck had been left in drive. Mm. So the, the doors are locked mm. and the windows were up. Mm. And so I think as I come back up, I can't get any of the windows open. None of them were open. And so I come back up and I, I my window punch was in my bunker gear that's on the side of the pond, and so I'm like, man, what am I going to do? And then two other guys jumped in. This cop throws, she comes over and she's so awesome. Uh, she throws her baton out there. Mm. How we caught it. Yeah, really. I was wondering that. You know what I mean? How we caught it. I mean, it's just, um, we caught it and then we kept going down. And then my buddy, Eric, he went down and he beat this window out. And I mean, I mean, first off, it's hard enough to, to beat a window out. Yeah. Try to do it underwater. I bet. So he beat this window out. And so then I went down and swam inside the, the truck and I reached in the seats and I didn't feel anybody. And I'm Mm. like, where she, surely she's not lying to me. Yeah. And, um, as I was coming back out of the truck, I felt up above me 
he he had, he was floating against the ceiling, the top of the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And so I grabbed him by a shirt collar, fell at his head, and then I grabbed him by a shirt collar, pulled him out, and man, got him out. And soon we swam him to the shore. Um, we gave him, we did CPR on him, and he um, we had a pulse. And I mean, the medics that we had that showed up. I mean, the whole team, like we had a, a really badass team out there and uh, landed a helicopter, got him on the helicopter. He had a pulse. He was breathing on his own. And he walked out of the hospital four weeks later with mm. no, no, nothing, nothing no substantial, long-term. no long-term injuries. Wow. And and you got, so you got the Texas Medal of... So we end up receiving the Medal of Valor um, for that day, yeah. So that's, so anything that's bad is happening, you're around. Man, it seems like that. You know what I mean? It seems like a, seems like a, 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 like a shit magnet, right? God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also like, you might say it that way. I say it as like, hey, when something needs to get done, yeah. who better to do it than you, I guess? Yeah. You know, I, I believe, I believe that if you have the ability to help people, you must because mm-hmm. not everybody does. Right. And so I just think that like, I mean, I think it's, it's everybody's own personal, personal decision. And, you know, there, it comes with risk, you know, like, I mean, I had people after that day, like tell me how dumb I was for jumping in that, that mm-hmm. water, you know, like, well, you could have died, you know, you could have added, there could have been two people dead, like all this, this thought process yeah. behind it. And I'm going to use something from David Goggins. Yeah, you're right. If that's the way you think, we're not the same. Right. Because let me say this. When I left my home that day, my people think I'm a decent person. My kids, my kids knew that I loved them. And if I had died down there trying to give this guy another chance at dying a different way, that's fine with me. Mm-hmm. Because I was going to die... And the things in my life were pretty good. Mm-hmm. People knew that I loved them. The people that I care about knew how I felt about them. The, uh, you know, I, 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 I would have been just fine with giving my life in order to give somebody else a chance to die on different terms. You know, when I, when I hear you say that, I think of, it's on your shirt right now, own the dash. I mean, your whole, I don't know. I mean, your whole approach to life seems like, you know, the own the dash is like you're in control of from when you're born to when you die and it's your actions that's owning the dash. And another thing that I, that struck me is you remember these dates, which also to me ties back. Like you, I think you mentioned the date when you signed up for the, for the Marines or left for the Marines. And then you mentioned this date of, you know, saving this guy out of the truck. Yeah. Is that, is that just how you think? You know, I think like every memory we have is memories that changed our lives. We changed, it, like we, we as a person changed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like right. when you think of... This event had had an impact on you. Significant impact. One way or another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like think about, you know, you think about through your days of the dates that you remember there, you know, it's because it had the most impact on you and it, and it forged something in you 
that probably changed you a little bit the way you think or or the way you felt or you yeah. learned something, right? And then mm-hmm. like so I think like these dates that you remember, they kind of were like milestones that that were either tests to where you grew a little bit or you lost a lot. And you know what I mean? Like they're they're just these moments that that throughout your life they they changed you. Mm-hmm. I think that's what memories are. You know, memories play an effect onto who you are. And so, you know, I think, yeah, I think that that's what that is. And, you know, I get so much, I'm so fortunate, man. Like I get so much from so many other people around me. I've been so fortunate to, you know, September 8, 2009, man, I got to, and one day I got to watch the very best of human beings. I got to watch the very worst of what humans are capable of. I got to save people. I got to kill people. I, I felt sad. I felt every emotion that day. Mm-hmm. I lost everything that I cared about that day. I also gained a ton from it. I got all that in one day. Most people right. go their whole life. I was also tested. Mm-hmm. Would I be who I say I would be? I got to prove that. And I got to see also the most, the most, you know, impactful thing that happened to me that day was I got to see what I'm capable of. And now that I know that, I know that no matter what the world throws at me, I'm going to figure it out. Right. And, and so I was fortunate to have that moment that day, um, because most people go their whole life wondering. Right. And I don't have to. Yeah. And I don't say that in a way of, of like, I, every time the occasion arises, I still have to re-up. Like you don't, there's never going to be. You can't rest on the, I don't want to say laurels. You can't. Because it's like minimizing what you went through, but you can't, you can't, this day define me forever Yeah, is what you're saying. That can't happen. That's why I don't wear my medal. Mm-hmm. So I don't wear, I don't go to any medal of honor conventions. I, I, I don't do anything with it mm-hmm. because that's just one day. Mm-hmm. All that is, is proof that I know what right looks like. And now I have a responsibility to replicate that every opportunity that I have to replicate that the standards are higher for me. Right. I have to get it right because guess what? I know what right looks like. I've done it, you know, like, and, and so for me, it's just a, it's like, well, I was good one day, but I've got to replicate that every single day with everything that I do, mm-hmm. you know, like it, that's all that is. Did I, you know, talking about that day is, did I remember something like, did you get in trouble or something that you couldn't, like you had to stay back? Yeah. So isn't that crazy how, tell me about why that happened, but would it have been a different scenario if you wouldn't have gotten in trouble? I mean, what, what happened with that? So I, I had brought up a couple issues that I had Hmm. with the mission and concerns or what? Yeah. Hmm. Concerns of like the planning of it and this and that. Um, and so the, basically the, the solution for them, instead of to fix these things was to leave me at the trucks hmm. and they replaced me with Gunnery Sergeant Johnson. 
And how far back were you or away? I mean, I don't need like a thread on Reddit of them eating me apart, but like, yeah. um, no, I'm not, try- I don't want no, that. no, 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 Listen, I, I'm just, <laughs> I, I love saying it. Cause like, you, you know, I mean, you know how they are, right? Yeah. Oh, God. Um, like it's, it's like, if I ask you how far you shot that deer, Oh, I know. right? Yeah. Like, Oh no, get, get it, it turned into something. Yeah. But, um, I was probably a mile and a mile, mile and a half, maybe mm. outside this Valley. And so could you observe what was going on from where you were or just on the radio? I could hear it. Okay. Like you could, you could hear it mm-hmm. and you could, you could see like some of the explosions and stuff, mm. but like you couldn't really see the people, you know? Mm. And I didn't really know what we were getting into until we turned into that Valley and there were just like, there were bodies everywhere. Mm. I mean, it was, I mean, they were just everywhere, you know? And, and you talk about the most helpless feeling. I just, I remember just watching people die and there's just nothing like there's nothing you could do to save them. Mm. And it was, especially when you want to, you want to be what somebody needs you to be when they need you to be it. And it's just like, there was nothing you could do to stop the suffering in this thing at that time. And I mean, it was, it was, I was scared to death. I mean, I was scared to death. I was scared for the people that I cared about. I was scared for myself. I was, I mean, I never thought that I would ever make it home. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There were, there were guys getting hit left and right. And, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you just, the best thing you could do for all of them is just try to get rid of the problem that was hurting more people. Mm -hmm. And it just, it was so overwhelming and, you know, it was, it was so scary. Yeah. Cause I, I remember that where you guys were calling for air support and they were doing something else. So I wonder how I was thinking to myself, how often does that happen? And maybe just because it was so highlighted, maybe that gets a lot of attention. Were they doing something just as important that they couldn't pull off of? Yeah. So, so, you know, it, but it still comes into the planning, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we should have never walked in this valley without air. I mean, on direct. Right. It, it just, it was stupid. It was, right. it was unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's just a classic sign of complacency and incompetent leadership. Um, but yeah, the air was, so there's priorities of, uh, for the air where they're, they go to, mm-hmm. you know, cause I mean, if you, you know, they can't go to everybody. Right. You know what I mean? And so, they were stuck on this other, this other mission. These, uh, I think it was some seals or something. They were, they were trying to get this high value target and I think mm-hmm. they were in a tick. And so, yeah, I mean, they, they were just stuck over there and it just, I mean, it happens, yeah. you know, but mm-hmm. just, it just, yeah, it just was the wrong time on this one. Yeah. And I will say this, like they, I don't know that the picture of how severe the situation was painted, it, it was a little bit longer than it should have been probably, mm-hmm. you know, the what do severity. You mean? just like, you know, we had, we had, you know, four us missing. And so when you say, I don't care where you're at, when you say you've got four us missing, I mean, you're going to have assets for days. Yeah. Like, like, let me say this. They're going to support you. If, if, if you say you got four U.S. missing, they are going to send you everything. Everything that they, they got. Yeah. And, and 
But again, like there was too much. Well, maybe we'll find them or they'll show up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, well, if you don't know where they're at, like you need to go ahead and, and, and get, get shit moving this way. Right. You know what I mean? But, yeah. but again, it's leadership who's worried about, they don't want to look bad. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have to answer the questions later on. Right. You know, and they, you know, they'd made it work before that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I, I, you know, hear you talk about it or watch about it, it's like, man, I can't even, I can't imagine what yeah. that was like or how, what that felt like. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it took me a long time to, to, to get, to, to get better for it. Right. Like, I mean, I, I suffered, I mean, I just, I didn't deal with, I didn't, I didn't face it for a long time. And, you know, having my daughter sailor, that really helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, man, it took me a long time to, to come to grips with it. Right. And, and, and time does heal. Yeah. Time is a powerful thing. Yes, definitely. It's, it's, you know, I understand what you're saying about how, you know, you don't go to the ceremonies or you don't wear your medal or whatever. And it's like, you know, I don't know how you feel about that, but it's, it's, you know, you didn't lobby to get it. No. You know, you were given, and then that created all this other, and you didn't ask for it. No. Like I was doing, as you said, you're doing your job, what you're supposed to do. And now they, it's, it's supposed to be a big honor and it should be a big honor, yeah. but it's not, it's not something you asked for. No. And then all of a sudden you're held to this standard now. Yeah. Like this, this unrealistic standard, you know? And yeah, but you know what? Like, it's fine. It's fine because you know what? The higher the standard you hold me to, man. You're going to rise up. Yeah. You know what? That's fine. If that's what, if this, if you, if you need me to be close to perfect, I'm going to damn sure strive to be it. Mm -hmm. Right. I represent whether I like it or not. You know, when I mess up, I make Marines look bad. When I say something stupid, I make Marines look bad. I care about Marines. I love Marines. I I love anybody that serves. I I believe in good. I believe in people. And anytime that I say something stupid or anytime I mess up or I make a mistake, I represent more than just myself. And it took me a long time to, you know, embrace that. You to know, be okay with that. To be okay with that. Because, like, for a long time, I just... I was like, ah, you know, that shit doesn't matter. I don't care. I didn't ask for it. So, you know, fuck them. Fuck them. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you cross this road of, well, do you want to be right or do you want to be impactful? Mm-hmm. And most people want to be right. And they're not thinking about that. The, well, the they, don't co- impact. they don't coexist. Right. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, man, like, I might have my opinion on some of these things, but if my opinion isn't moving, if like how many times do we have conversations or do we say things with no intention of gaining anything or with any thought of what we're trying to achieve by saying this, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's unproductive conversations and words. It's just conflict driven. Right. And it's so stupid. Right. Yeah. And I, I listen, I, I'm, I'm very opinionated. I'm very like, I'm very, you know, I'm very set in my beliefs and, and all these things, but, uh, 
at the end of the day, like I, I don't care if people believe I, the way I do. I want to help people. Mm-hmm. I want people to believe in themselves again. I, I want to provide hope. And the only way you do that is by saying things that provide hope, you know, and not tearing things down, not tearing things or down, people down. That's what we're messing up right now. Mm-hmm. We're messing up because we're, we're just telling people what we're against. Right. But we don't even know what the hell we're for. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty profound. That's, that's true. Right. Like, like I hear people all the time. Like I've got this book coming out, um, in this, this fall and it's called why to what. Hmm. And the whole concept and premise around this book is, is changing your, your, your questioning, your mindset, your vocabulary, taking why out of it and replacing why with what. So for so long, I couldn't, I couldn't get past what had happened. And why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why was I in that situation? You're never going to know. Like, honestly, it's irrelevant. Yeah. What situation was I in? What about it bothers me? And what can I do with it now? Like all those are objectives Mm -hmm. instead of subjective. Right. And, and just the faster I can get past, like, you know, like, this person said this to me. Okay. We can sit here and try to articulate why Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter why, what did they say? And what can I do to help make that situation better? It's a real simple way, you know? Yeah. No, it makes sense. Um, who did somebody help you like with your mindset or with, or, or with, uh, I don't know, coming to grips with everything you've been through was, did you have a mentor at all? Man, I got a lot of good people around me. I would say, man, I would say the guy that, that changed my life the most was, um, was Jocko Willink. Hmm. You know, I, I flew in to do his podcast one day and it was probably the first time I ran into somebody that I looked at and said, that's a guy I want to be like, you know, like this is a guy that he's humble, kind, strong. He's man. He is, he is, he's a good guy. He's a real deal. Honest, honest, you know, truthful. And, and, and he, he, man, just selfless. You know what I mean? Like just uh, you look at all these things. Like when you talk about, you talk about a good person, good and strong, it's hard to find that. Yeah. Am I, am I like, you know, a good person that's selfless, strong. I mean, and and you're like, it's rare. It's rare. Mm -hmm. And, um, man, I think it was the first person that I had met that I felt like, believed in Dakota Meyer that seen the potential and man. He didn't sheer, say that. He, he didn't say he believed in you, but no. you're just saying his actions yeah. made you feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. It like, yeah. It, it, yeah it, it like, you know, Jocko Willink picks me up from the airport. I mean, you're like, man, you know, and, and just how he carries himself and, and 
you know, there's so many things about him. Like he's an example of what we should strive to be. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, man. And then like, I think like when I heard him tell somebody that I was his friend, that was the moment that my life changed. Mm. Like the fact that, that I got to be Jocko Willing's friend. And I, I'm not saying this by any means of like, you know, like I, I'm Jocko changed my life and, and man, his, his straight to the point, you call him for a question. Yeah. You're going to get the answer in about as few words as you need to. And it's going to be about as clear as it needs to be. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's, he just has this way to articulate what he means. He's concise. Yeah. Very concise. No yeah. nonsense. No fluff. Nope. Yeah. And, and you believe it, whatever he's saying, you believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you trust him that much. Mm -hmm. And, um, man, I just never wanted to let that guy down. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just never want to like, and, and, and you know, he, man, he just, he, he did that for me. He changed my life the day that I met him to do the podcast. And I'd never had anybody have that level of impact on me. Not one single person. Hmm. And man, it was just, it was an honor to be his friend and I never wanted to let him down. And, you know, he, he just, man, he changed, he, 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 he changed my life. Did, uh, did that podcast your discussion with him? Did it have an impact also? It did. It did. And like, you know, you, you, you know, I mean, you know, like, you know, when you go interview with people who are just doing it, I think that's what's unique about like your, your platform as well is you're not just like, you're doing this. You can genuinely tell how authentic you are. I mean, we spend the whole day together. Mm -hmm. We didn't just show up at this podcast. Dude, we went and suffered together. Right. We sweat together. I mean, we had conversations going up this mountain. I mean, like we talked everything from religion to everything. You know what I mean? And like, you genuinely care. You genuinely want to be around people and learn, mm -hmm. and 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 to to share these moments. And and Jocko is, you know, we were on that podcast, and it was the first time that I had ever laid the story out that way. He helped me get through it. He, I don't know if you remember in that podcast, like there was some like, um, pauses and it was because w both of us were trying not to have tears come out. I mean, it was a long podcast. Yeah. It was like three hours or something, wasn't it? Yeah. And it, it just, man, he cared. Yeah. Like this guy, like. And why, 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 you know, because he's that good of a guy. And he's, he's, he's been through it too. I mean, not exactly your situation, but you know, I mean, he's served our country for a long time. He's lost, lost men too. He, he yeah. And, and he's been in a lot of fights and mm -hmm. he's, you know, and, and I, I respect him so much because he just, he, he's not done either. You know, right. I, I, he, he's impacting, I, you know what I, you know what I care about people? I don't care how you do it. I don't care. I don't care how you, are you making the world a better place? 
are you having an impact on people? Mm-hmm. Are you helping people look in the mirror and believe in themselves again? I mean, that's all I care about. You know, right. whether you're doing it Jocko's way, David Goggins way, Tony Robbins way, whoever, right? The the Cam Haynes way, right? Whatever it is, like, are you are you having an impact on good and people? And that's what matters. And man, Jocko, like, he just we had lunch that day and he just he was the he was probably the first person to believe in Dakota Meyer again. Hmm. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah, he was such a he's he is. I mean, he's such a good guy. Did uh I can't remember. So this this iron sharp sharpens iron. To yeah. me, it's it's almost that. It's like, so the type of person you want to be is the type of person Jocko is. The type of person who is he's having an impact. He's or spending time, you know, we talked about this on the run today too. Is like you're not trying to spend time with people who don't push you and make you better. Yeah. We're trying to we're trying to get better, right? Yeah, man. Like, I mean, that's what that's what it's about. You know, I I mean, the sheer fact that, I mean, I don't know how many times today that I just thought about, man, I'm running with Cameron Haynes. And I know that sounds, for you, it sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. But for me, man, like, I, I'm getting to, to spend time shooting bows and, and running with, with, with Cameron Haynes. It's, it's crazy, right? I get to do this. And so, you know, these are the best in the world. I mean, when you talk about, you know, whether it's Jocko, whether it's in leadership, you know, whether it's, it's Tim Kennedy, you know, MMA fighter, you know, whether it's whoever it is, you know, Lance Armstrong, I mean, you surround yourself by people you want to be like, right. You know, let me tell you what Cam Haynes ain't doing. Cam Haynes ain't wasting his damn time on a bunch of dumb stuff mm-hmm. because he's out there getting after he's busy. He got goals. You know, that Jocko ain't wasting his time. Like, you know, and the more you get around people that, that have stuff they want to achieve, you know, I can't, I'm just the epitome. I, or I am the, uh, I'm the results of the people I'm surrounded by. The product. Yeah. I'm just the product of it. Yeah. Like, I'm so, man. I think everybody is though. Well, I, right. 100%. You know, yeah. when I start getting off the path and I start looking in the mirror and I start, or I catch myself talking more negative or I catch myself in the mirror, you know, I don't like who I see or I just start, you know, just having bad, when I start having bad days, Mm -hmm. the first thing I do is I look who I'm surrounded by and I'll write it down. Mm. I'll write it down. You know, if, 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 what is the most valuable thing we all have in life? Time. Time. Mm -hmm. So think about this. Let's talk money because people look at money as valuable. If you gave me $5 every day, expecting that I was going to return that to you. And every time you came to me when you needed money, I'm like, man, it's all gone. Tapped out. Would you keep giving me money? Probably not. So isn't it the same thing with time? If you keep going to people that make you, you know, give you anxiety or that you're always having to worry about their bullshit or that they don't make you better or if you're if you're not ending up and looking in the mirror who you want to be like and 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 you don't like who you are well well look at the people around you and see if you like who they are is if you can't look at the people you spend majority of your time with and say I want to be like them yeah you're wasting your time it, it's exactly 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good analogy. Exactly. It's like you're wasting your time. It's the same thing with, I mean, you listen, you, you know very well nutrition. Nutrition is more than just what you eat. It's what you consume. It's the people that you're around. It's all these things. They all have astronomical effects on, on people, on, on you and your body. Mm-hmm. And so, man, like, you know what I do is like, if I'm looking, I, I do it probably once a week. If I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see something that makes me feel a way that I don't, I didn't want to feel. And I'm not saying like avoiding, but like if it fires me up over something that truly I don't give a shit about Mm -hmm. gone. Yeah. That's a good approach. Right. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, and you can talk about feeding into the algorithm. So they'll, they'll watch things that upset them and then they see more things that upset them. And then pretty much everything is upsetting them because they, they didn't eliminate it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's like, man, I just look around and I'm, I'm like, look, people, it's not, you don't just end up successful. You don't just end up with a good life. You don't just end up having good days. You don't just end up loving life. It, they're all choices. You got to cultivate that shit. Yeah, man. I, I think we all wake up every day depressed. And our decisions that we make decide if we stay depressed or if we end up happy. Why do you think you would, we'd wake up depressed? I mean, who wants to get out of bed in the morning? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really? Well, like, who, who, who wants to? You know, you know when I want to? Yeah. It's days like today. I could not sleep. And I woke up a hundred times. I'm like, okay, I got to get, I mean, where, where are we going to run? What are we going to do? I'm pumped to hang out with Dakota. Yeah. So it's like... Today, I didn't wake up depressed. I wake yeah. up fired up. But nor- I get what you're saying. Normally, unless you set set yourself up for what do I have to look forward to? Uh, yeah. Yeah, but either way, like, yeah, we look forward to it. Mm-hmm. But but you know as well as I do, you, you know, yeah, I mean, listen, I was standing outside the hotel ready to go, man, because I was like <laughs> so excited. Yeah. Um, but, but man, like, it's it still... Majority of the time, you're not. I mean, look, when you go to Disneyland, like you know, p- people are re- ready to go, right? Yeah, you can't go to Disneyland every day. No, it's yeah. not reality, right? Yeah. And so, the majority of the days, you're going to wake up and you're going to want to hit that snooze button. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to find a reason not to go get that run in, right? That lift in, that you know, you're going to find like you're going to have all these things that are going to challenge that you don't have time or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And man, it's like. Have you ever stayed home, not felt good, and just sat on the couch all day and felt better when you went to bed? No. Never. No. Never. But have yeah. you ever gone into a workout that you didn't want to do and then regretted after you did it? No. That's an excellent point. Yeah, that's an excellent point. So what, what do you say to people who, um, you know, we're lucky. I mean, I've, I've built this excuse for hanging out with badasses. Yeah. So it's like not everybody can hang out with a Jocko or a Dakota Meyer or a Goggins. So what, what do you say to the people who are just in their normal life in Kentucky? How do you, you know, how does iron sharpen iron in that situation? Man, the reality is, is we're all just people just like everybody else. You know, there's, there's thousands of us everywhere. Yeah. You know, um, thousands better than James <laughs> yeah. over there. I know that. Yeah. Um, 
man, find people who are, are getting after it. Mm -hmm. You know, go find people who are in the gym. Like there's, there's great people everywhere. I mean, dude, I don't get to hang out with like, look, I mean, if it was up to me, I mean, I'd hang out with these people every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd move out here to me and my kids would be, you know, living out (laughs) here in in Eugene and we'd be being, you'd be meeting at the trail every day. Let's do it. Um, but it's just not reality and you don't get to do that either. No. And most of my training is by myself. 95% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, but man, like we, I have like, you know, I got, I mean, I've got Lauren who, you know, my fiance who is, you know, so supportive, you know, I, I've got Andrea who is, you know, works for me. She's also my coach, you know, on the Ironman stuff. You know, I've got, I've got, um, Keegan. I mean, I've got, I've got all these people who hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. It's not just a feel good sesh. It's an accountability sesh, but the session, but the reality is, is man, I come out here and run with you and it's like, I'm going to come back out here. So guess what? The next time that I come out here, like I know where I need to be at. So guess what I'm going to be doing when I go home? Right. I'm getting ready because guess what? I, I'm going to get another opportunity to spend time with you. Mm-hmm. And, and listen, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and I'm going to dial my bow in. Like I'm going to go and I'm going to do these things so that when I do get that opportunity, we can, we can enjoy it the most, but like, you know, it's not all fun and games. So what I tell these people is, man, first off, what you can control the most is where you spend your time. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's, there's, there's people, there's places and there's things. What you can control the majority is, is, is where you spend your time. If you hate your job, if you hate your job, find another one, right? I understand it's not that simple, right? but, but start moving towards finding another one. You know, most people hate their job, but they can't identify what would make, what job they would want. Mm-hmm. You know, so first off, start putting some thought into that. Start spending time more places that do make you better. Not that, that like are fun, but places that make you better, right? A bar is probably more fun than a gym. Right. But what results are you trying to get? It challenges you. Yeah. To grow. To grow. We're trying to grow, get better. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're not going to get the same results from spending majority of your time in in a bar as you are spending half that time in a gym. Right. So start there. Where you spend your time. The next thing is, is, is who you spend your time with. If you're spending time with people who are always negative, man, I got to tell you, go ahead and cut them out. Go ahead and cut them out. Like, you know what misery loves? Company. Company. And it's contagious. Mm-hmm. It's contagious. Yeah. Cut it out. You know, either start trying to change the conversation, but if you can't change the conversation, like if somebody is just negative all the time, dude, cut them out. Cut them mm-hmm. out. Watch how much better your life gets when you don't have somebody else telling you what you should be miserable about. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And then things, you know, like uh, whether it's Instagram, it's look, turn the news off and watch and see what problems you really have. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like, like avoid these things. Now it's not about avoiding it. And it's not about saying, well, I, I just don't do things I don't like. No, it's about doing things that, that, that don't, that aren't helping you 
be a better person so that you can be where you want to be in life. Right. Not constructive. It's not constructive. Yeah. It, because that's one thing with social media and the news is like, you're subjected to, you know, as we know, negativity sells. Yeah. So we're subjected to all this negative energy or stories or whatever you want from all over the world. It could just be solid negative. Yep. How are you supposed to be a positive person if that's <laughs> what you're you know, exposed to every day? Well, think about this, right? Like you see all these veterans that come home and, and people talk about like the adrenaline rush they're always chasing, mm -hmm. right? So whether it's conflict, you know, you, cause you get, you know, look, whether, whether you're in combat or you're watching something that, that fires you up on TV, like it's the same release of emotions it's this i mean it's a dopamine rush right right and and so so many people this negativity they feed off of it it's become this dopamine rush for them they get addicted to it that's why they got to watch reality tv and they watch all this dumb stuff and then they they you know then they just complain with their friends and all, all this stuff right it it becomes their fix of of it's addicting right you know what i mean and so man like I used to be that way. I mean, I listened to some of my podcasts from back in the day and I, mean, I was just so miserable. Mm. I was such a miserable human being. And, I, you know, I, I finally just had to look in the mirror and say, life's not miserable. You're just miserable. Your attitude. Your attitude is miserable. Did you, did you realize that yourself or did somebody point it out or how that happened? Because... I think a lot of people fall into that category Yeah, and they don't really know why they don't really know how to get out of it, but you just summed it up and said, I'm just going to not subject myself to this thinking anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I, I did, um, I, I remember where it clicked for me. Um, I, I went on this call and I had, it was a, um, a cardiac arrest call and it wasn't like, one of the bad calls like that you would think would bother you. Mm -hmm. But I, I went on this call and I was the first one on scene. I, you know, brought this guy out. He was in a shower and the, I'll never forget him and his wife were going to go. His wife had told us that they were get, he was taking a shower so that they could go on a date. He lived in this nice house. And, um, he was in cardiac arrest, pulled him out of the shower, pulled him into the, the bedroom and um we started cpr on him and man the wife i'll never forget she she crawled up on the bed that was right by us and she just laid there watching just i've never seen somebody want this person back so bad and um we did all of our CPR. We did everything. You know, we, we got, we have badass medics, man. Like these, these paramedics that are in, in the field, man, you talk about incredible human beings, hmm. next level. And, um, did everything we could. And, you know, we, we pronounced him and, uh, you know, this woman like crawled up on his bot, like crawled up on him and laid there with him until, uh, when we all left. And, um, man, I went home that day and I walked in my house and, you know, my, my girls, it was, it was in the summer. And so they're, they're like, they were at home and, and they're, you know, they always want to know what the call was, right. They hear it goes off. And I, I just, I couldn't talk to them. And I just said, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I, I need a minute. So I went in that, 
my room and I jumped, I just got in the shower, man. And I just like cried. Like I just, I cried and cried and cried. And I was like, you know, my, my brain, like that, that mental piece started hitting me and was like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you subjecting yourself to this again? Right? Like, why are you doing this? And I know I want to serve people. I love people. And, you know, like I just, it was this, it was this all about me. Why, why, why? And it was like, man, how awesome is it that that guy had somebody that cared about him that much? How nobody, everybody wants to be there when you're born. Nobody wants to be there with you when you die. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, like if I can go and I can l- let people be there for people when they're in their worst moments and provide them hope that, that not only like that w- we can help them, sometimes we can't, but we're there to help them mm-hmm. and that people care about them. Like how, and even the families, the families, it, it, it does something for them when, you, when they know that everything was done right. to help, right? Mm-hmm. There's like this closure that everything was done to, 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 to do everything that we could do. Mm-hmm. And, and to be able to be that for somebody, man, like it's a cool thing to do. But, you know, it was in that moment that, that I knew that no matter what, I had to find the good even in the bad. Because mm-hmm. if you can't, life's going to suck. Yeah. Life is going to suck, man. You know, like how often does anything go as planned for you? Not that often. Right. And so if, if you only are going to be happy when happiness is, is handed to you, dude, you're going to be miserable. Right. If, if, if you're only going to be, if you're only going to be happy when everything's perfect, when everything's perfect, yeah, dude, you got a long life. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it's your attitude is pretty remarkable because you've subject, subjected yourself to a lot of death, you know, man, a lot of death. service to what you're doing now and what you've done. And most people that wouldn't be their choice. But as you've said, and I don't want to, you know, put, you didn't say this exactly, but built different, but you're prepared. And if you're prepared for it and you can handle it, it's almost your obligation to do it. Because if not, then it's somebody else who maybe isn't as prepared. You know, the question for you is, and this is something that I think everybody has to answer. I I don't know the answer to this. I struggle with this all the time, but how long do you get to live off of what you've done? Mm -hmm. Not what you're doing. Right. It It shouldn't be that long. You know what I mean? I yeah. Mean, you should continually be be proofing yourself in my eyes. You should. Yeah. Right. Tim Kennedy says it best. You know, he talks about your sword. Mm-hmm. You know, don't put your sword down. You know, don't put it down. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you put it down, the next generation is going to pick it up. You know, and don't put it down until, until you're gone. You know what that reminds me of is... Uh, of course, I mentioned Gladiator earlier today too, so I'll mention it again. Yeah. But remember when the guy's sword was stuck in his scabbard yeah. because uh, the frost or something like that? He put it. He had his sword put away, and it ended up he couldn't get it out. And so I don't think, put it away. Right. <laughs> exactly. Keep it in your hand. Yeah, that was the that was analogy I was thinking of there. But yeah, I mean it's it's such an incredible mindset for you to have because 
I, I can't think of anybody. I know there's been people who've been subjected to a lot of things, but like, I don't know them. I know you. And, uh, that is, man, it's just powerful to hear how yeah. you approach that and how you think that, you know, you serve this world. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I just, again, like I have, I, I just, I simplify life and I want to be a good person. I want to be the best that I can be. I want to, I want to help as many people as I can. And I mean, I love people like, like again, like I love people. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care what you believe. In. I don't care what God you pray to. I don't, these, these things are all things I don't like. I only care one, like you're either one or two. There's only two types of people in this world to me. Mm -hmm. Good and evil. Yeah. But it's, it's weird hearing you say this because you said before you, you used to like listen to your old podcast and then you just sounded miserable. Yeah. And now you're like saying how much you love people is. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there was like, you know, what, what helped me clear, you know, majority of the time, how we look at the world, there's so many pieces that were auto programmed into us, mm -hmm. you know, like, like how, I mean, how, first off, like how you were raised, mm -hmm. you know, like where you were raised, what you were exposed to. I mean, all these things make you, they, they, they formulate how you see people or your, you know, your experiences with people and all these, you know, there, there's all these factors to it. Right. And so, you know, I, man, I, I, I love life and life is hard. It's good. And, you know, I just, I don't know, man. Like when I see struggle, I see opportunity. Mm -hmm. When I see conflict, I see opportunity. When I see, you know, when I see failure, I see opportunity and not opportunity to take advantage of somebody, but opportunity to help somebody. And if helping somebody is, is what you love doing, I mean, we all want to be needed. Yeah. We all want to matter. You know what I mean? We all want to matter. Yeah. Anybody I mean, who says that they're, they're lying if they say anything different. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like they're, they're just, they're, 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 and if they believe that they're only lying to themselves. Mm -hmm. And like, we all want to be that, you know what I mean? Like, and, and so man, like I believe that the world's great. I mean, I'm not, do I, I don't cover it up with roses. Like, oh, it's, you know, everything's perfect. No, but I mean, the problems that we have today, our grandparents were praying that they had. Yeah. We have a pretty good these days. You know what I mean? If you want to be miserable, usually you got to kind of try. You, you have to try. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And so, you know, man, I've got to. I've got to do a lot of things in life. You know, I've got to meet a lot of incredible people, you know? Um, and so, man, I, I get to wake up every day. I get to work hard. And I mean, look, if you're looking for an easy life, you're going to have a miserable life. Yeah, I agree with that. You're going to be miserable. If you're looking for an easy life and you're only doing things so that life gets easier, dude, it, like at the point that, that, that you start choosing easy, you will become more miserable. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a good point. You know, I was like, I was thinking as we were talking and you know, the two dates I was thinking about, God, do I remember any dates in my life? And what I remember is October 4th, 2015, when Roy died and July 5th, 2010, when my dad died. Yeah. And those days, what does that mean to you? I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't know. It just, it feels like those dates, everything changed the a different for different reasons. Yeah. 
And uh, I don't know, those are the, the only two dates that come to mind. And it's like, it was such a, and cause, cause I was thinking about when you said that, that on that day for you, everything changed, yeah. you know? And it's like, if it didn't change you, then the deaths would have been in vain, uh, essentially. Such in vain. And so you have to be, you have to be altered by that. Yeah. You know, the scariest thing for me, man, is, is to look back at decisions that I made in the past mm-hmm. and to have not wish I could do them again to make a different, to, to handle them in a different way. Mm. Because it means you haven't grown. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that like in that time I made the best decision I could. Yeah. But man, if I knew what I knew now, yeah, I would do it different. Right. And if you never look at a decision like that, you did like it, it was a wasted, yeah, a wasted moment in time. Yeah, I, I hear a lot of people say that they have no regrets. Yeah, I can look back on my life and I'm like, well, I don't know about you, but I got a shitload of regrets. Yeah, I don't, yeah, <laughs> that's I'm, part of growing. I think it is. I just think that like they they've tied such an emotional thing around regret. Mm-hmm. Like the people tie regret around guilty. Mm. Right. Like, oh, you know, I, I did, I did something intentional to hurt somebody is what people tie regret around. Right. Right. I, I, I don't like I majority of the decisions I've made, like if I knew then what I know now, I would have done shit totally different. Yeah. You know what I mean, I would have, if I knew then what I know now, I, I, I would have done my whole life different. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't have cared about the dumb shit that I cared about in high school. Right. You know what I mean? I would have put more work and effort into to yeah. being, uh, you know what I mean? Like all these things. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't regret because without those losses, you can't grow. I wouldn't have learned it. Right. Yeah. It's, it's this complex ball it is. of that turns and man, like I'm just so fortunate, man. Like I wake up every single day. Now I'm not like, look, let me, let me take this off and clear this up. I'm not saying I don't have bad moments. Mm-hmm. I have bad moments. I might have a bad morning. I might have a bad evening. I might have a bad night. But I don't have a bad day. Right. Because that's a conscious choice. Right. I don't that have a bad sense. day. My kids are healthy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm healthy. Everybody I care about is healthy. So the rest of it is what, what matters. What else matters? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that's going to happen to you as long as your family's healthy, as long as you're healthy that you can't figure out? No, no, I'm good. I'm uh, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, it, so what's, I mean, what's your goals now? So I, um, obviously I'm running this Ironman. Yeah. You know, when I got out of the Marine Corps, the whole, like the whole backstory behind it really is, is when I got out of the Marine Corps, you know, I mean, I was struggling, man. Like I was drinking probably a handle of crown a day, um, you know, attempted suicide. Right. And, uh, when, when was that? How long after? It was in September of 2010. Mm. Um, right after I got out. Okay. And you just, got home and then, yeah, I was just like, I was driving down the road this one this night drunk. I mean, you know, back in Kentucky, Yeah, back in Kentucky. And, um, I remember coming home. I had shot this pistol that night. I had this Glock 40 
I don't know, man, like I just, I seen the fear that I put in people. Like people were scared of me. I just, man, I was an asshole. Like the burden I was putting on everybody was just astronomical. Mm. And I was sleeping on my dad's uh, couch. I mean, my dad wouldn't even, my dad would, in his own home, wouldn't even, he didn't even feel safe, like walking down the stairs to come and deliver because I was there. Because I, I mean, I was sleeping with a gun on my chest. Mm. And um, it was horrible. And for, for everybody around me, not, I mean, it, it is what it is for me, but like I was really just making everybody miserable. And so what I, what I started doing is I have this buddy, Toby and Schmitty uh, from my hometown and they, they ride bicycles, mm. you know, they were riding bikes and I was like, man, I'm going to start riding with you guys. And like, we just went riding and it was just like a therapy session. You know what I mean? Like, it's amazing how, if you go out and you do hard shit, yeah. Things you feel better. You feel better, right? Mm. And um, so I started riding with them, and then they started doing Ironman. Mm. And I was like, oh, I'm never doing that, right? Just it was just so. It, there was a point in time in my life to where it was just so out of realm for me to think that I could ever do that because I was so out of shape. Mm-hmm. And um, so they they wanted to go to Kona because they've been doing this legacy. Like, there's this legacy program, right? You do so many. Mm. And then you, they, you know, you get to go to Kona. Qualified, yeah. So they've done like ten or twelve. Okay. Because they want to go to Kona, you know. Yeah. And um, so this is their year to go, and I just thought, like, how cool would it be if you know they were the ones who really put into me, you know, back in my worst moments. How cool would it be if I could go to Kona with them? It's going to be their last Ironman they run. Mm if I could qualify for Kona yeah, to go and kind and of this, the this full year circle. Yeah. They're going to be there. So it's like, I don't have much time, but, um, yeah. and it's a long shot. I mean, it's a, it's, it is like, it's, it's a long shot, but, but I, you know, I'm putting in the work, I'm training, you know, I've got uh, the best coaches coaching me. You can run. You ran yeah. great today. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I got to get a little faster. I, 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 ta- I called my coach already and told her, <laughs> she said, did, did, she's like, did, did Cam drop you? I'm like, hell yeah, he dropped me. He, 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 he gave in on me, you know, he's, he let me get in the truck, you know? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, I, I, I really want to, I'm going to try for Ironman Texas, mm-hmm. you know, April 27th. And, you know, a, a goal is under 10 hours, a dream is a n- around nine thirty, mm-hmm. and I- I'm gonna do everything I can to get there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I want to awesome. go to Kona. Like I wanna, um, I wanna, I wanna finish this up with them. Yeah. You know, because they, man, you know, they they've done so much for me, and so to be able to like finish it with them, that like, would be that would be like just a whole. It's just a. It's it's just crazy how far you can go in ten years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that when you were laying on the couch with the gun on your chest, was that when you were 265 pounds? Yeah. Yeah. Have you not seen that picture? I don't think so. Yeah. I was trying. James. Yeah. Could you go get his bow for me? You got to see this picture. Yeah. Man, this, this picture is, uh, I didn't know it until somebody sent it to me the other day and it like really embarrassed me. (laughs) Um, but man, like it, it, it just, man, I was just in a terrible spot, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, when I show you this, you're going to die, man. 
You are going to, you're going to fall over. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I want to see it. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. Huh? That, well, you, that doesn't even look like you. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't even look like you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand you wouldn't feel great. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, I'm, I'm so glad you're at, and what year was that? Man, that was 2014. Okay. Oh, man. What it a, wasn't much off from that, you know, 2015, 2014, yeah. What a difference. Yeah, could you bring here? Thank you. Um, yeah, so today, though, today you were not 245 pounds. Yeah. You were freaking crushing the mountain. And, you know, I, I, I do like that, you know, we saw those, you know, Ben and his, the other runners up there on top of the, of the mountain is like that the iron shop sharpens iron that's one of the big benefits to living here because yeah. so many great runners it's like so i could never think i'm a good runner because there's olympians running around here but it's uh i just love this environment and that's why i'm like i, I wanted to share this with you uh as i said i've looked up to you for a long time i've you know been you know i would i, I don't know i don't know i just have you, you're your story has had an impact on me. Yeah. And so it, was, it meant a lot to come and, and or have you come and share my lift run shoot day and then to meet Wayne and to shoot this bow so well. But, um, and then lift weights also, we can't forget our, our yeah, weightlifting. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got the pump on, hopefully our picture, like we got to put that pump filter on there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> man, you were like, we're going to, um, yeah, we're going to do a hundred. I'm like a hundred of what, like all together of everything. <laughs> yeah. You're like, no, 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 that's just bench. Yeah. And I'm like, what? That's like, what is only, wrong with you? That's the only lift I do. Is bit, <laughs> what bench, is wrong with you? Curls. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not normal. No, it was great though. But so yeah, my, my philosophy is if I can run that mountain, if I can shoot my bow and if I can lift weights every day, yeah, that's going to get me in the right direction. Right. So, and we also talked today about you haven't killed an elk. I haven't. Are we going to make that happen? May I give, the, the, like, I would give anything. Yeah. So oh. I'm at, I, this September, we're going to go get a big elk. So here's what I, my goals for you are crush Ironman Texas, yeah. get to Kona, and let's kill a bull with a bow. Man, if you'll let me, if you would, if you would let me join you to go, go kill a bull, I'm a hundred percent in. Dude, that would be, that'd be my dream, man. That would be awesome. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the goal we're going to set out, but you know what we're going to do before that? We're going to eat elk chili. Oh man. Elk meat chili. How about that? Man, that sounds good. That sounds so good. <laughs> man, I, I really, I, I want you to know, like, you know, um, it, this is awesome, man. Like I came out here and this was, I knew it was going to be great, but, but man, just like what you've got out here, the people like being able to see, you know, going up on that hill and, and, and not only running with you, but then seeing like, you know, his name was Ben, right? Ben Blankenship. Ben yeah. Blankenship come up there and just, you know, just, I mean, it's so, there's just levels, right? Yeah. Like you can always be better. Yeah. And, definitely. and you know, it's like, man, that's what it's about. That's what keep hammering is about. That's what own the dash is about. It's all the same. Yeah. It's all about getting better and about doing what you can. It's a mindset. It's a, it's a mindset. It's a, it's a way of life. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, man, I, I appreciate you having me out here. 
Wow. It's uh, my, the biggest thing that I love in doing this with an outlier like Dakota Meyer is saying, here's your new Hoyt bow. Thanks, man. And you shot it like a freaking, like the Thanks sniper so you much. are today. So that's, that's it. Awesome. Thank you, Dakota. Let's go eat some elk chili. Let's do it, man. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Keep hammering, guys. Hoyt Archery has been my bow hunting sponsor since 2005. And personally, I really don't care what bow you shoot, what brand it is. I just hope that you have the same level of confidence in your equipment as I have in mine. Because I know if I get one opportunity with my Hoyt, it's going to pay off. Leupold Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glass. That's all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Leupold Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Leupold, for supporting the podcast.